Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. If you don't know SiriusXM, then listen up. Commercial-free music plus sports, comedy, talk, and news. They have it all. A lot of people think you need a car to enjoy SiriusXM, but you don't. You can listen outside the car. Right now, you can get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for free. Just go to SiriusXM.com busted to see offer details and to subscribe. You can listen on your phone, at home, and online. That's SiriusXM.com slash busted. Offer available to new SiriusXM streaming subscribers. SiriusXM, no car required. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, Bully Ray and I, WWE Hall of Famer, of course, the greatest tag team wrestler of all time, we get into AEW, and do we do it in a big way? We have, our, for a first time ever on Busted Open, FTR joins us here on Busted Open to not only talk about their reign as old-school tag team wrestlers, we get into the tag team rules in AEW. We also get into night number one of Fighter Fest, and obviously, them being featured in night number two of Fighter Fest coming up on Wednesday. Speaking of Fighter Fest, we also have to talk about the Great American Bash, and we talk about the rating war and also how the ratings equal Sasha Banks in a big way. We talk about Sasha. All that right now on the Busted Open Podcast. And Bully, a big topic on the show last week, and it's going to be a big topic on the show this week as well, Bully, is is Great American Bash and Fighter Fest. We got Fighter Fest and Great American Bash night number one last week, and then we got night number two on Wednesday. We had a big discussion about coming out of the week before that when there was over 150,000 more people tuning in for NXT over AEW. And we were wondering what was going to happen with the Great American Bash and Fighter Fest. Um, Great American Bash was not able to maintain that, that huge ratings gap over AEW for their specialty show last week. But at the same time, they did beat AEW in the ratings. It was by a very slim margin. It's back to that slim margin again, Bully. Probably back to that comfort zone. And and both shows did well. Um, but I think the biggest difference and a big reason and probably the reason why NXT was able to edge AEW in the ratings was because of one wrestler. And that one wrestler would be Sasha Banks. So a lot of stories coming out of last week. Again, uh, AEW is still getting that crucial 18 to 49 year old. It's it's really surprises me that NXT is like their average age of their viewer is over 50, which I find very very interesting. AEW has that 18 to 49 year old demographic. 
But when you look at the big difference in the rating, it all comes from that main event. The main event with the Great American Bash crushed the main event of Fighter Fest. So, you know, and, and this is where, Bully, I have to give you a lot of credit. Because when I was talking about Charlotte and Charlotte being head and shoulders above uh, the rest of the women's division, Bully, you said you agreed with me that Charlotte was number one in that women's division. But you, but you said time and time again... On the heels of Charlotte at number two would be Sasha Banks. But one thing is undeniable, whether it's your opinion or my opinion. The one thing you cannot argue is the fact that Sasha Banks is garnering a huge rating. If you, They brought Charlotte in to NXT in hopes to beat AEW. Did not work. They brought in Sasha Banks, bully, and it worked. I'm not going to sit here and, I, and, and say, told you so, but I have been speaking about Sasha for weeks now, and this has nothing to do personally because me and Sasha personally don't even really know each other other than hello and goodbye and a brief year that we spent together in the WWE. You know, we didn't, mm-hmm. we didn't hang out or, you know, best friends. Or, this is strictly my professional opinion on Sasha and the entire conversation started, you know, a month, two months ago when Mark Henry put out a tweet about Charlotte should be called the King of Kings. And, you know, you agreed with it. And you said Charlotte was head and shoulders above her. And I said, wait a minute. I said, you can say she's number one, but you can't say she's head and shoulders above because Sasha is right on her heels. And I said, in an apples to apples situation, you know, you, you would see that. Um, and I think from, from the minute each one of those ladies come out until the, until the bell rings, uh, till the match is over, they are equals. Yeah. You could say Charlotte might be a little bit of a better natural athlete. Okay. Debatable. Anyway, the only number that matters on a Wednesday night is the rating. That's really it. Because it is a competition, a war, whatever you want to call it. And like you said, they brought in Charlotte a couple of months ago or however long ago. And Charlotte did not exactly pop the rating the way they would have hoped for. They bring in Sasha versus Io, And all of a sudden, pop, uh, Sasha pops the rating as they had hoped for. And Sasha versus Io did a tremendous number as compared to Hangman Page, Kenny Omega, Versus the best friends, okay? Hangman Page is one of those AEW guys that that diehard fan base really, really likes right now. Kenny Omega is supposed to be this, you know, almost this guy that walks on water when he's in a wrestling ring. And the best friends, they play right into that AEW fan base, you know, better than just about anybody else. And really quick, not to interrupt, but like you mentioned, Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega, a lot of people regard Kenny Omega to be the best wrestler in the world right now, right? So Absolutely. Please continue. Sorry. So it's not like uh, Sasha and Io just barely eked out a win in that last quarter hour rating. They crushed uh, that AEW main event. And I had said to you weeks ago, If Sasha was given the same opportunities as Charlotte, I believe that she would perform 
at the same level, if not a better level. And there's one thing in wrestling that you cannot deny, and that's the numbers, whether that's a rating, whether that's how many asses you can put in a seat, how many T-shirts you can sell, and Sasha being advertised in the main event in a non-title match. It wasn't even a title match. Did a monster rating. And I hope everybody sees now what I've been saying about Sasha for the longest time. I think they really need to pay attention to this and utilize this. You don't have to break up from Bailey, even though I'd love to see Sasha on her own. Her and Bailey have a great dynamic going on right now. Her and EO had a good match. The the finish of the match, I would have done a different way because I think it puts too much focus on Asuka and not enough on EO, but still Sasha did wonders for that segment. Yeah, and and we see it on social media. We saw the reaction from when I said Charlotte head and shoulders. You know, a lot of it bully has to do with the fact and and you've said this too that especially lately Charlotte's been kind of force-fed down a lot of people's throats. Now she's away and probably this is the best time for Charlotte to be away because I think there was a bit of a force feed when it came to Charlotte. But at the same time, there is a lot of love for Sasha Banks. It's interesting because Sasha's a heel. And I think in a lot of ways, people wanted to see Io Shirai win that match in NXT. But Sasha is somebody that's is so polarizing. And she could, she could play a baby face. She could play a heel. It doesn't really matter. There's a lot of love. And she has main event and she has star written all over. Star is a word bully that you've used a lot to describe Sasha Banks. She has that presence. She has that it factor. And you need that it factor if you're going to be a star in pro wrestling. And you're right about everything you just said. Now, I believe if that main event was a little bit different, if Sasha was not a part of that main event, if they didn't use Sasha, you know, again, a main, a quote-unquote main roster wrestler and brought her over to NXT, that would have been a win for AEW on Wednesday night. So a lot of people on social media are saying, well, you know what? They needed Sasha. They used Sasha to pop that rating. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the advantage, Bully, that the WWE has because – all these shows are under the WWE umbrella. So if they, they if they want to get a big rating, because this is a ratings war with AEW, they could easily grab somebody from the main roster. And really, if you want to kind of show NXT and not get far away from what NXT truly is, Sasha Banks, to me, was the perfect wrestler to use in that main event this past Wednesday. Based on the, pay, the, the ratings... Over the past two weeks, this week, it was a small edging out victory. Last week, it was kind of a blowout. Do you think NXT should stick to business as usual right now or pedal to the metal? Uh, I would go pedal to the metal. Uh, You know, once, you know, because once you have the momentum, you don't want to lose that momentum. Now, listen. I don't want to take anything away from AEW, Bully, because AE, it was a win for AEW. I know people are saying, what are they saying a win? They are winning that 18 to 49 demographic, which is a very, very important demographic to win. Don't sleep on that. When it comes to TV, the most important demographic is 18 to 49. 
That's what you want. And I'm sure TNT is probably looking at AEW's rating and rather have the rating that AEW had than NXT. Did NXT have more people tune in? Absolutely. But AEW is still dominating that 18 to 49. So I think AEW definitely won in their own way on Wednesday. But to answer your question, Bully, yes. I mean, when you draw blood, you want to keep on going. You want to keep that momentum going. And and this is something we're going to get on and get into in a little bit. There's a possibility that already NXT has lost some of its momentum going into Wednesday. So it's going to be interesting to see what exactly they do moving forward with their roster. Do you think there's a sense of nervousness or urgency within the AEW uh, house? What do you think they're thinking right now? What do you think they think they need to do? Well, I mean, I don't think I don't think there is that sense of urgency. Now, Bully, if this past Wednesday was a repeat of the week before, if they got dominated in the ratings, if it was, you know, if it was a difference again of 150,000 fans tuning in, then I would think they would probably have a sense of urgency. But, you know, winning the 18 to 49 demographic and then for the most part winning in the overall rating up until that main event, they're probably looking at it, hey, we won 18 to 49 and they needed a main roster superstar on their show in order to even squeak out a ratings win on when, on Wednesday. I don't think they have that sense of urgency, but when there is competition, Bully, one thing that they did learn I think the week before that, they took their foot off the gas pedal. I think they 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 kind of got complacent of winning the rating each and every week. They found that they can't put their foot off the gas pedal because when they do, they will lose. So I think they need to keep that foot on the pedal, as you say. But it's going to be interesting to see what NXT does. But I don't think AEW is in panic mode at all. Would you put Sasha back on NXT this week? I, you, you can't. I mean, the, the, the you know. I mean, I guess you could squeeze her in somehow, some way. I mean, I guess they could do something tonight to promote the fact that she's going to be on on Wednesday. But as of right now, when you look at Fighter Fest night number two, Sasha Banks is not a part of it. As a matter of fact, I don't know. I don't know how she fits in because clearly, after what we saw last week, it's all about Oscar and Sasha at Extreme Rules. So I don't think Sasha Banks fits into NXT this week or even moving forward anytime in the future. At least till once we get past Extreme Rules. You just said that they're at Extreme Rules. I'm thinking way outside of the box right now. Does does Oscar? Or Sasha come out tonight in a promo segment and they reference what happened with the mist. And Sasha says, I don't want to wait for extreme rules. Since you decided to blow the mist at me at NXT, I'm challenging you to my, to the match this Wednesday night. So Wednesday night, you get Sasha versus Asuka which should pop a monster rating for them, and then give the rematch at Extreme Rules. How could you go wrong? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I would probably do that. Now, when you look at the numbers, Bully, and this is interesting. because which, which, about- which number is more important to the WWE right now? The NXT rating or the the buy rate for Extreme Rules? Which is not even being called Extreme Rules right now. It's the horror show at Extreme Rules. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 mean, I think the buy rates for pay-per-views now are are, you know, because of the network, aren't really that much of a factor anymore. So probably, you know, a small goal for them to dominate on Wednesdays. Now, when you talk about numbers, just to be clear, because everyone is saying how Sasha Banks pulled in this extreme number, but let's just look at these numbers as the facts from what we looked at from last week and the week before where NXT dominated AEW. AEW's rating increased by 115,000 viewers. Think about that. 115,000 more viewers tuned into AEW last Wednesday as in the week before. The increase from NXT, from their regularly scheduled NXT to Great American Bash, was only 6,000. Now, you know, when you look at that bully, it's not an extreme huge number with Sasha being in that main event. Now, those numbers did factor in when it came to the AEW NXT but it was only for NXT from week to week it was only an increase of 6000 where AEW had an increase of 115000 and again that 18 to 49 demographic it's interesting because you know when you look at the youth of the pro wrestling fan and I don't think there's a huge amount of young people watching pro wrestling, but it's clear that the young people who are watching pro wrestling are tuning into AEW. I'm wondering if the WWE is using Shoster Banks for that too to get some of the younger viewers to start watching NXT. What do you think would have happened? I mean, and I know we're playing Monday morning quarterback here. What do you think would have happened if they put Cody versus um, Jake Hager? In the main event, and that went up against EO versus Sasha. It's a great question, Bully. I think I think you would have to think that AEW would have a bigger rating. I I, I honestly think that maybe AEW would have won the night. And I said this on Thursday. I said I think it was a mistake, and nothing against you know best friends or Hangman Page and Kenny Omega, but you can you could tell that best friends were not going to win that match. You can tell going in. We all thought that Cody and Jake Hager were, was going to be the main event. I think that might have cost them the night. But you could go the other way and maybe say, hey, having Jake Hager and Cody Rhodes in the middle of the show, you said on Thursday that that, you know, that hour one to hour two shift is a very important shift in that show. Maybe they were able to hold on to a lot of those viewers from hour one to hour two because they did have Cody and Jake Hager in the position that it was already in. This week-to-week situation with the war between AEW and NXT, especially when it comes to the ratings, since this started, we said we weren't going to pay much attention to the ratings because we normally never do. But it's really interesting with these two companies because I look at it, as I look at all of wrestling, as a giant chess game. And this chess game is quite interesting about what they're putting up against what. Both shows being shown with limited commercial interruptions. Basically, the shows are, are, are reflections, are mirrors of each other for an entire two hours. And it's just a matter of what we're gonna put here versus what we're gonna put there. 
I think putting that tag match, Page and and and, uh, and Omega in the crossover would have been a better idea and have tons of action and put Cody on last. Cody is your star. Cody is your heavy hitter. But maybe they didn't want the heavy hitter up against Sasha versus Io because then what does it say about your heavy hitter if they would have lost? It's a, it's, it's a great question because you're probably looking at it completely. Is it? Let me ask you this, Bull, and I think I know what your answer is going to be. Does it cheapen the victory at all that they used a main event wrestler from their main roster in the main event spot on NXT in order to garner that rating. Is it a little bit like, you know, you know, they, they said that these shows are separate, that NXT is completely different, and they wanted to keep that away from Raw or SmackDown, but, you know, being dominated the way that they have been in the ratings, does it cheapen it at all by using Sasha Banks in that main event slot? The reason I say no is, and I've said this on the show, during these COVID times, I believe that the WWE, with the depth of their roster, should be an all-hands-on-deck company. The Vince McMahon has a responsibility to his fan base to put on the absolute best show he possibly can whenever his programming is on. I'm not into this whole Raw roster, SmackDown roster, blah, blah, blah. I'm into great television and i don't care who we have to use to have great television on mondays wednesdays and fridays because wwe fans with especially with their loyalty deserve great television three nights a week from the wwe so if that means loading up wednesday nights so be it and if that means taking nxt talent and bringing them over to mondays or fridays so be it all hands on deck Balls to the wall, pedal to the metal, give me the best product. If you expect them to be parked in front of my TV set on a Monday for three hours, on a Wednesday for two hours, and on a Friday for two hours, I want the best of what you have. My time is worth something. You better give me something worth my time. This is Nicole Auerbach, and I want to invite you inside the Coaches Clubhouse, a brand new podcast from SiriusXM that examines what drives coaches on and off the sidelines. We talk to coaches from all different sports and all walks of life about their passion for the profession, their mentors, philosophies, and stories, and also what they care about when they're outside the spotlight. We'll give you a unique perspective on some of the greats in their profession, from Olympic coaches to Super Bowl champions and everyone in between. New episodes out every Wednesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. When you look at AEW Fighter Fest, we talked a lot about Fighter Fest night number one, Bully. But when you look ahead to Wednesday, night number two, July 8th, one of the big matches is going to be an eight-man tag team match. And to talk about Fight Fighter Fest night number two, and just to talk about the last month in their career since making the move to AEW, we have FTR joining us right here on Busted Open. What's going on, guys? How are you? Hey, what's Ladies, up, gentlemen? gentlemen? Thank you. Thank you all for having us on. It is, uh, it's been a while since we've talked to any of you guys, so happy to be here and give an interview for you. Guys, I want to ask you a question right off the bat. I want to get completely into AEW talk, but one of the things that uh, always interests me is when people leave a certain company. Um, 
and why they left a certain company. And obviously, as a tag guy, I understand every type of frustration that you guys might have been through. But ultimately, what frustrated you the most about working in the WWE and why were you so happy to make the jump to AEW? I think uh, you, want, you want to take this one. Yeah, I'll take it. Uh, I think that um, obviously in the WWE, we have a lot to be thankful for. Um, right now, I'm sitting in my house and I'm looking at my uh, beautiful wife and daughter outside and they're playing. And uh, I am so thankful for the opportunity they gave me to allow uh, my family to have the life that they did. Um, on the flip side of that, my first love before my wife and before my daughter was professional wrestling. And uh, I am infatuated with professional wrestling. Um, it's done so much for me as a kid, all the way into, like I was just saying, adulthood. And uh, we both felt that if we stayed in the WWE, that we would just be spinning our wheels. And uh, there's so much more that I want to give back to professional wrestling. I don't want to uh, just sit back and relax. Um, I don't, I don't want to rest on, uh, any laurels or anything like that. We want to make a mark and we want to leave a legacy in professional wrestling. And then obviously on top of that, we want to make money too. But, um, you know, AEW and Tony Khan, they provided us the opportunity to do both. And, uh, we think for the legacy we want to leave for wrestling and, uh, and we want to do, uh, wrestling proud right now and I, I think this is the best opportunity for us to to do wrestling proud yeah um to play off of what he's saying a little bit um wrestling is a business first and foremost obviously but when you strip it all down you take it all away and you you look at the reason you got involved in wrestling from the beginning it's because you loved it and you were passionate about it and there's no way that I'm going to just let one dominate over the other like if you can find a way to balance the business and the passion side of it then you've got to do that. And we never, we never wanted to just phone it in. We never wanted to just be complacent and be happy and just be there to collect a check. We wanted to, like he said, we wanted to give back. We wanted to better wrestling because we've seen guys that have come before us and they've left the legacy and they've made a difference and they've made it better for us. And it's, I feel like we're doing a disservice to, to future wrestlers. If we, if we don't do something to make the business better for them. Absolutely. Well, one thing that's a big difference with AEW, and, and this is something Bully and I have talked about right off the bat when we first heard about it, is usually in pro wrestling, wins and losses don't matter. But in AEW, it does. So it's funny going from one world where it's more entertainment, where what you do in a ring really doesn't matter, to a show in an organization where it's all about uh, wins and losses. How much, as like wrestling purists, does that excite you? Oh, um to, to no end because it blows my mind the things that we, we pick and choose like what matters and what doesn't because all the time they also get your hands up get your hands up if you're in the corner getting hit, hit put your hands up if you're in UFC you you wouldn't just stand there with your arms on the ropes but at the same time if you're in the UFC you wouldn't care if you're just losing every night wins and losses matter there just like getting your hands up matter there so if you're going to pick and choose you're going to cherry pick from other sports to try to make a comparison or try to say this is why you should do that wrestling should always have wins and losses that matter. Like that was, that's the root of it all. Like you hit the winner's purse or the loser's purse and nobody ever wants to just get the, the loser's purse every night. So it's, it's so refreshing to go somewhere that that puts emphasis on that. And they, they make it an integral, an integral part of what you do night in and night out. And that's, that's just, it's how it should be in my opinion. 
Guys, I want to talk a little bit about uh, tag team finishing moves. Um, I think <laughs> a tag team's finishing move should be the be-all and end-all of a tag team's act. I think it should be the foundation <laughs> on which their you know, uh, l- legacy could be built on. You guys have a move in the Shatter Machine, which I enjoyed. The number one thing I enjoy about it is it can be hit out of nowhere. Any great tag team fit finish can be hit out of nowhere. Well, you've got the AEW, and I see you in incorporating the spike pile driver uh, a little bit more. And I've actually seen you guys use the spike pile driver maybe once or twice after this shatter machine. Is the spike pile driver a move you're trying to incorporate into your repertoire as a finish? Or are you considering using it because Arn and Tully are also at AEW? And is there something more to it? Um, so the, the, the shatter machine, and now we, we, uh, have to call it the good night. Don't have to, but we enjoy calling it the good night express. Uh, it's, um, uh, it's a move that obviously we took from, uh, parts from another great tag team. You may have heard of them and, uh, we just incorporated and put our own little spin on it. Um, but going to AEW with the, with the spike pile driver, uh, that's something we always wanted to use in WWE. We, we even talked to Hunter about it and he said, no. Um, we had asked, you know, other people, like we had asked, uh, Vince about it. They obviously didn't want to use the spike or the pile driver at all. Um, and so we came to AEW and we, uh, it started incorporating the spike pile driver just almost as like a, uh, a restart for us. Um, and it is something that we want to incorporate into our matches. Um, but for the shatter machine, no one has ever 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 uh kicked out of it we learned that from another uh listening to another great tag team that had the same kind of finisher uh with the same kind of premise no one's ever kicked out of it uh and we just want to take the spike pile driver and utilize it uh to its fullest extent and if no one can kick out of it then no one can kick out of that one as well just another another move to the repertoire but obviously with all in connotation yeah if you if you look at aj aj is a guy that has established a couple of different finishers. Everybody knows the style styles clashes his be all end all, but he's finished with the calf crusher. He's finished with the phenomenal forearm. So I just think it's beautiful and adds another layer to what you can do. If you can establish something else as a legitimate, Oh, you see it and you think, you know, it's over because it just, it makes you that much da- more dangerous. Like um, you, you bully, you know, we're, uh, we're both pretty close to the edge. And w- when we started doing, the now the good night express. He, he told us like, obviously there's a lot of comparisons to your finisher, the 3d for good reason. But he said like, that's a move that you guys should protect to the ends of the earth. Like um, he said, no matter what we did, 3d, never let us kick out of it. Never, no, never let anybody kick out of it. They protected it and they would find ways to get a breakup or a save or a misdirection, but they never let anybody kick out because that, that's something that you can, you can make a career out of those things. And, we we took that to heart and that's something that we want to we want to protect and carry forward but also to your point the spike pile driver like being able to do that now and do it in front of arn and tolly um wherever wherever it may lead who knows like maybe there's nothing there but maybe like just just if nothing else they know they know that we respect them to to a point that is probably unreasonable like at least they get to know and they get to see it I, I love that. I love that aspect of your answer because 
nothing is probably going to come out of it, but maybe something will come out of it. Maybe that spike pile driver is going to happen with Arn and Tully in the same place at the same time. And just for that moment, Arn and Tully are going to look at each other and going to look at you and your fan base is going to be like, oh, what are we, what's going to happen? What do we have here? And it's that moment right there where I, I love the answer because you're willing to take the risk on that what if moment. And even if that what if moment only happens for a fleeting second, fans are going to appreciate that, you know, especially the AEW fan base. Exactly. That's exactly what we're hoping. Cancel, please. <laughs> Well, you mentioned Tully Blanchard and you mentioned Arn Anderson. You know, what has it been like, you know, working at AEW? What's the what's the locker room vibe like? You know, how much say do the veterans have in what's going on? Do you get a, advice from an Arn Anderson or a Tully Blanchard? Just, you know, t- tell us about that whole thing now that you're with AEW. Um, I guess kind of to, to start off, uh, just a couple of weeks ago um, after our match with SU, um, we got an opportunity to get on the mic and, and talk a little bit. And I started the, 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 the interview off with, uh, we weren't a welcome addition here to AEW. And that was the honest to God truth. We walked into AEW and we knew this was going to happen because we were uh, former WWE guys, but uh, we walked into there and um, there was some resentment for some of the, uh, some, from some of the younger guys um, there. And I think it's because of, uh, our attitude towards the business, our attitude towards professional wrestling and tag team wrestling and the rules and things like that. Um, so, so the, the backstage uh, vibe at first was kind of tense and that's okay with us. We, we thrive on that. We, we enjoy that. Uh, we enjoy the competitive, uh, the competitiveness of professional wrestling. If we're all friends and we're all trying to help each other out uh, at the end of the day, no one gets ahead. Um, but myself and cash, um, as a unit, as a tag team, we want to be the top, you know, I don't mean to make a pun out of this, but we do want to be the top guys at AEW. We want to help uh, AEW grow and we want to help make them um, uh, a contender and a viable force in professional wrestling for years to come um, for the fans and for the boys. Um, so the, the, the locker room, I think, is, uh, is it can be at times a little buddy-buddy and if we can come in and shake that up a little bit, um, then I think that's a good thing. As far as the Arn and Tully, um, man, uh, I cannot accurately describe to you guys, not just Arn and Tully. I've said this before, but like I can't accurately describe to you guys. And, and I, you know, I'm not saying this cause you're on the line with this bully Ray, but uh, for you as well, how much respect and love and admiration we have for the guys that have worked so hard that have come before us and have allowed us to make a living in professional wrestling. Um, and I forget, I think that some people lose sight of that, that the only reason that we're allowed to make a great living in professional wrestling is because of the guys like Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard, Ricky Morton, Ric Flair, and then all the way up to Edge Christian, Bully Ray. Um, Hardy's. Hardy, you know, there's so many people that have come before us. Ah, that- you forgot about Devon. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'll get- ah! <laughs> Huge pop. I'll Sorry, it. guys. It's a running joke on the show. <laughs> but, uh, but, man, they, you guys laid the groundwork for us to make the living that we're allowed to make, and uh, we're forever indebted to you. And then every, every, uh, every TVs, we are almost to the point of annoyance talking to Tully and Arn because 
<laughs> we want to make our presentation better, but overall, we also want to make the product better. So we're um, constantly talking to them, constantly asking them to critique us and the show. Um, so and, yeah. and, uh, to shorten that up, um, we're lucky to be there. We want to shake things up. And uh, Arn and Tully are incredible. <laughs> To piggyback off Dax a little bit, yeah, like there, it can be a little too buddy buddy there, and you know we we don't want to come in and we, we're not trying to stab people in the back, we're not trying to step over people like in an unfair way, but you can't start a fire without a little friction, and you know we we're here to we're here to start a fire. We want to shake things up. We want this place to be as hot as it can possibly be, and we know that if everybody's too worried about hurting their friends' feelings, that <laughs> they're just gonna they're not gonna be doing what's best for the the long term goal. They're they're just worried about hurting this guy's feelings in the moment so we're not we're not afraid to hurt some feelings we're not afraid to step on some toes we're not afraid to piss some people off like if that's what's best for the division as a whole and that's what's best for the company as a whole we're, we're here to do that dude yeah and, and really quick off of that like uh we did Cornette's podcast not too long ago and we <laughs> talked to uh we talked to tony khan and asked him if it would be okay if we did that but no one else knew about that and man, when we got to TVs the next day after that podcast aired, oh, we were the biggest heels in the locker room. Everyone, even our buddy MJF, everyone was so pissed off with us because <laughs> they thought we went on this, uh, we went rogue and went on Cornette's podcast to bury uh, the Young Bucks in AEW. We were not a very well liked uh, pair in the locker room that day. Well, you know, it's interesting that you bring up the buddy buddy thing and. Uh, I'm not quite sure if you're working or shooting with that, but I, I tend to think that you're you're being honest. And you know, Gene Simmons, yeah, Gene Simmons from the rock and roll band Kiss, you know, always said it's the wrestling business. I, I, he said it's the music business, not music friends. And we're in the wrestling business, not wrestling friends. And you know, yeah. I always compare AEW to like ECW. Like, yeah, we were buddy buddy, but it was the most competitive buddy buddiness I've ever seen. And sometimes, buddy buddy just doesn't work because everybody's vying for the same position everybody wants to be in a main event everybody wants to climb to the top and you know we we can go be buddy buddy you know afterwards but when we're at work it's all focus and you know yes i don't necessarily want to be friends with you i just want to know if you could take my finish you know and and that's it um but I digress. I want to. I want to ask about. I want to ask. Hey, really something quick, Bully. On, on 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 that thread, because what you're saying is very, very interesting, and I want to get their take as well. Is that like it's not only just about the competitiveness that you know athletes have with one another, but also I would think about getting better as well. Because you know, if you're if you're too buddy buddy, you know, can you critique somebody if they did something wrong, or are are they are they going to take it the wrong way if you say something like? I, I think there's a like a thin line there where you know, is there that comfortability where you could say, you know, you really screwed that up? I mean, am, am I off base, guys? No, no you're not. There's there's some guys there that they're all for constructive criticism and they want it. And there's some guys there that I feel like they, they feel like they have the answers. They feel like they've got it figured out. So they don't want Arn and Tolly to come give them advice. They don't want us to come give them advice. They don't want Cody to give them advice. And if that's their mentality, that's fine. But I'm, I thrive off stuff like that. Like uh, our, our stuff with American alpha, I think made us so much better. All four of us, because we were so competitive and we had that drive and we were, we were buddy, buddy, but we were buddy, buddy in a way where it was like, you know what? Like, we're going to outshine you guys tonight. You're going to outshine us tonight. Whatever it was, we wanted to outwork the others. 
every single night of the week, all four nights, all five nights. It didn't matter. We wanted to be the best and we pushed each other to, to do that. We didn't worry about hurting each other's feelings because we knew like we had thick enough skin where we could, we could take it, we could do it. And it made us better friends. It made us better wrestlers and better entertainers all around because of it. Yeah. Are you guys in this for the long haul? Have you had the talk with one another that no matter what happens, this is about us and not I or me? Do you guys want to be a tag team for the rest of your life? Do you guys want to stay together and do absolutely anything and everything possible on the entire planet as a team before you even consider going your own separate ways and have to go your own separate ways because you're forced to because there's nothing left to do? Yeah, down, uh, yeah, for sure. I, you know, I want us to be the the, the modern day Ricky and Robert, uh, you know, and, and and help change the perception of tag team wrestling. Um, and I think we've got a lot of things left to 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 prove as far as a tag team goes. I mean, in WWE, we did some great things. I'm very very proud of. We were uh, two time NXT tag team champions, two time Raw Smack uh, Raw tag team champions, SmackDown tag team champions. We won WWE's match of the year as well. Um, but that's all in the past. And now it's, what have you done for me lately? And man, we've got a lot to do for professional wrestling together. And, um, I think that, um, with myself and cash, we can, uh, we can change, like I said earlier, we can change the perception of what tag team wrestling is and what tag team wrestling can be. Yeah. We, uh, we've had Dave, the talk I, before. Sorry. Go ahead. So we've no, no, go, go, go. Where we, we've said like, we have no aspirations to do single stuff it, and you know, to play off what he just said, we did all the, all the things that we never thought we'd do in WWE. And we, we kind of overachieved for what we thought we, we expected of ourselves, but now it's back to square one. We feel like we have everything to prove all over again. Like none of that stuff matters anymore. None of that counts towards what, what we're doing right now from the moment we step foot in the AEW ring until the moment we decide we're done our boots it's it's time to re, like reprove ourselves to show the world what we can do to to leave a meaningful legacy all over again because I think that we've just started to scratch the surface. Uh, I definitely agree with that. And one of the conversations that me and Dave have on the show a lot, and you guys brought this word up twice already, is the word rules. When AEW first started, you know, they were very specific about, you know, changing the rules about tag team wrestling. They, they you know, extended the five count to a 10 count for, um, for double team moves. They seem to have a more lenient type of structure when it came to tag team wrestling. And it seems that they've been breaking all their own rules and they've been kind of not paying attention to the referee. And this is things that I've talked about on the show. I spoke about it with Cody last week. Sweet. I think you guys would agree that, or, or don't agree. If you don't agree, I don't care. Tell me to shut the hell up. I could care less, but don't you if think, I, I think I know kinda, where you're going and we will. Don't, don't you think maybe I'm not saying being as stringent as the WWE, but don't you think that they kind of have to start sticking to their own rules a little bit better and putting some credibility back on the referee and do you think you're the team that can change the entire culture there for them? Yes. And yes, we think that 100% they have to start clamping down on those things. Even if it's not, like you said, it's not as stringent, but there has to be, there has to be much more authority on the referee. There has to be much more 
semblance of rules because without it there it's just it's a texas tornado it's a fatal four-way it's whatever you want it to be there's no rules there's no heat there's no way to make somebody care or somebody to be in danger there's no there's no way to put sympathy on a baby's face there's no way to get the explosion when you get to the hot tag because the guy's already blown his own comeback before he's down before the tag and then all four guys are in the ring for the last 10 minutes anyway and i'm gonna get pissed off talking about it so sorry but yes i think it has to be has to be buckled down. It doesn't have to be astringent, but we we came here with the intentions of doing whatever we had to do, talking to whoever we have to do, and bitching and moaning as much as we have to to get it to where it is more of a tag team structure. Even if it's not the traditional rules, there has to be more structure. That way, every every team means more. That's just yeah, without a doubt, it has to. Yeah, exactly what he's saying. I think it's also maybe a generational thing too. I don't know. But uh, there, there, there's something has changed in in wrestling completely, where um, it's more about the you know it's more about the flashy things and, and let's let's forget the rules. I don't know where that was lost in wrestling, but um, the creativity is not seeing how many things four guys can do, um, you know, even within a given few seconds, or uh, how many creative things they can come up with. Um, to make everyone uh, pop for a second. The creativeness in tag team wrestling comes around building your story around the tag team rules and, and taking those rules and saying, okay, how can I incorporate this story and this spot uh, while using the, the, uh, the rules and the referee? That's where creativity is. And that's where you get really, uh, that's where the storytelling goes to a different level. Um, and, you know, we're not going to agree. We didn't agree with everything in WWE and we're not going to agree with everything in AEW and that's okay. But um, even to the point with the, the 10 second rule, um, you know, pulling back the curtain a little bit, I don't think you're ever going to see myself and cash using the full 10 second rule only because in my opinion, if me and cash uh, who don't care, you know, in real life or in TV life to get in fights, uh, if we can't beat you, if we cannot take our fists, all four of our fists, and beat the, the hell out of you for 10 seconds and, and you get back up later, um, then we're not that uh, effective. So I think we'll continue to use the five-second rule. And I, I think that, um, you know, tags going to – if it's up to us, tags and the rules around tag team wrestling are going to mean a hell of a lot more in AEW in months to come. You know, that's a great answer. And Bu Bully is right. We've talked about that a lot here on Busted Open. And I want to get into Fighter Fest because it kind of coincides with Fighter Fest a little bit because you mentioned a younger audience. Uh, first of all, night number one of Fighter Fest, an increase of about 115,000 viewers over the previous week. I mean, that's a home run, guys. So, you know, a big win yeah. for AEW. And one thing when it comes to the demographic that's viewing AEW, it's that all-important 18 to 49 viewer. That's that's the average of, and, and that's a win on TV is 18 to 49, yeah. that demographic. And that's the demographic that AEW has. So to go back to that, like, the younger audience, the, you know, quote unquote, AEW audience, I guess, expects a little bit different when it comes to the rules or the bending of the rules or maybe even the breaking of the rules. You know, you to you're talking about the more traditional uh, tag team wrestling. You know, does it affect that younger viewer? Are you conscious of that younger viewer? Is, is, it, is there a difference there? Absolutely. No, done right. No, yeah, absolutely not. I mean, 
it's, it's, it's what we put in front of the television. You know, uh, obviously nowadays we can't sit in a hold for, uh, five minutes, you know, uh, because of the advent of cable television and then, you know, social media and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. But, um, but if, if we take the rules and if we have a clear cut, um, specific amount of rules and what we have to, and guidelines we have to go for a tag team wrestling match. Um, and we work around that, but we keep the action fresh and we keep the, uh, we keep the work tight and the work snug and, um, you know, and people have to just, you know, and subconsciously maybe they have to distinguish, man, was he really hot when he gave him that flipper or was that really a, a, a shot when he gave him a lifter to the jaw? Um, if, if we can, take the rules and, and still make an exciting tag team match. Um, subconsciously, the fans won't care if, if all four guys are in the ring for 30 seconds or a minute or whatever. They won't, they won't even realize it, you know? For me personally, I don't think you even have to take out a bunch of the cool things. You just have to make them make sense and put them in places where it's logical. But you can so still easy. do really cool things. You can still do a lot of fun moves. You can make it exciting. You can make it as boring as, or as exciting as you want. That's the beauty of professional wrestling. You can, you you're in control of it. You can make you can control and be the maestro of it from the from the first bell to the end of it. But you just have to make it make sense. You can't just do something for the sake of doing it because it's what you do. You can't say, "Well, I do this move, so I have to make it happen right here." Well, no. How about if we do it here, and then there's a dip, and then you go over, then you escape, and then there it is, and then there's whatever. And you, as long as it makes sense, and you. You tell a story and you you give the, the baby face some sympathy and then you get him right back over whatever it is like you can make it exciting. It doesn't have to be like when we say we're traditional wrestling, like obviously we love 80s wrestling, 90s wrestling, 70s wrestling even. But you don't have to do what you would see back in the 50s. You can do you can still do modern times with a twist and an element that makes it exciting, but makes sense. Both uh, both Michael Jordan and LeBron James can't take the ball and run out of bounds or hold it on their hip and take five steps. They all work within the same rules, and they're both great in their own right. True, true, but but you do know this that there is different changes to the rules by generation to generation. You talk about the travel. Obviously, in the NBA, there's a little bit more traveling and a little bit more non-calls when it comes to offensive moves because it's become more of an offensive game. Even in the NFL, like a lot of hits now, they've changed the rules a lot on the football field because they want more scoring. You know, they, they want more touchdowns. So, you know, there's a lot more personal fouls, a lot more penalty flags against the defense than we've ever seen before. So I'm wondering if that's translating to AEW now. Well, you, you, can, you can still do all those things, but you still can't have a, per, a player run off the bench and close on a quarterback or Michael Jordan before he takes a free throw. There still has to be, there has to be rules followed. So yeah, you, exactly. you're never going to see somebody who's sitting on the bench come out illegally, shoot a three-pointer, and it's going to count. So there's there's more exciting plays to be done and like i said i think we can still do that in today's wrestling age we can we can put a traditional spin on it but make it exciting as long as you're creative and you just put a little thought process into it and i feel like a lot of guys nowadays don't want to think about the the smaller details that's boring to them and so they just think about how to get to the bigger things and it makes the the in-between stuff not mean as much to them which i think makes the match suffer as a whole 
Guys, one of the things that me and Dave talk about on the show a lot is the depth of the AEW tag roster. And we think you guys definitely are are, are going to be a huge uh, addition and aspect of that tag team uh, roster depth. The obvious no brainer money angle right now to me is FTR versus the Young Bucks. I think that's what the AEW fan base would want to see. I think a lot of wrestling fans and tag team fans would want to see that. I think you guys should have a best of seven. I think there's so much money and longevity in the angle. It's not funny and you could blow it off whenever the time is right. Not having fans is an issue because I think FTR versus the Young Bucks is one of those rivalries that could truly benefit from 20,000 people in the arena. I think we could both agree that, you know, you guys and the Bucks is where it's at. What other team there do you do you look forward to, to working with the most? And what other team there do you think you can tell a great story with and put asses in seats with? Don't say everybody. Don't say everybody. Yeah. Don't give me the generic we'll, bullshit we'll, answer. We'll, give no, me a we'll team. narrow it down. I, re- I really do think everybody, but we'll narrow it down to a couple also. Um, uh, I think Private Party is a team that they're, they have so much potential and so much untapped potential. And they haven't, re- you know, obviously they're, they're young and they haven't been on national television for a long time. I think that with the right story and the right the right investment in those guys that we could, we could do some real magic. They're, they're a team that we've both been very excited about working with. I, uh, I think that the, the Lucha brothers are the complete 180 of what myself and cash are. And I think that that is such an easiest story to tell. Um, uh, you know, they, uh, <laughs> they've, uh, they've worked together where they haven't made tags or they've tagged in the wrong corner um, and so there's a lot of things that uh, shoot piss me off about them. And there's a lot of things that work piss me off about them too. And um, I, I think that's some, uh, you know, some good money, some good money could be made right there with those guys. Uh, and uh, also we've got uh, Ortiz and Santana. I think we could tear the house down with those guys and have a complete blood feud. Uh, Roddy Piper and uh, Greg Valentine style. Well, love you talk those guys. You talk about that tag team division. Then the match that you have for night number two coming up this Wednesday, and again, Fighter Fest night number two. Night number one was outstanding. We're going to see what happens on Wednesday and night number two. On paper, this should be even a bigger event than what we saw last week. And thankfully, bully because Chris Jericho is wrestling. We won't hear him on commentary, so yeah. that's a blessing. Uh, but you know, we do have night number two on Wednesday. I mean, stack card. But your match in particular, that eight man tag match you and the young bucks going up against the butcher and the blade and the lucha brothers if both of you can add a little something before we say goodbye yeah uh it's the first time ever being in a ring in a uh, professional wrestling setting uh with the young bucks i think it's going to be magical um the 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 lucha brothers like i said complete opposites of what we are and butcher and blade they're the dark horses of the tag team division and i think they're going to step up and it's going to be a hell of a barn burner. I can promise you that. Yeah. I think this is going to be exactly what we talked about earlier, where you can take some of those, those fireworks and the new, the new style of wrestling, but you can also put ourselves in there and you put the butcher and the blade in there. And obviously we're four guys that are going to drop bombs on people and kind of ground it. So the, the fact that we have 
two guys that do a lot of really neat stuff on each side and two two teams that just want to punch people in the mouth on each side, I think it's going to be uh, – yeah, just watch. You're, you're going to like it. <laughs> hey, guys, just curious. Uh, who are those Attitude Era guys that don't like you so much? Uh, well, Bully Ray is one of them. Uh, <laughs> Bully Ray? Bully Ray is one of them. Uh, other, there's, there's, there's a few of them. There's a few that uh, have, have said some things. Just, just watch, watch uh, Raw 25 and you'll see a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, watch <laughs> Raw 25. You'll see all that. <laughs> there were guys that actually were on Raw 25 who said they didn't like you? Uh, <laughs> well, um, Hunter and his Not friends. so many words, yeah. Oh, okay. I, I, I really didn't know what you guys were talking about. I didn't know who was uh, burying you out there. Gotcha. <laughs> but Austin, Steve yeah, Austin, great guy. Wonderful they're human all, being. They're all selfish. All right. You know, the new foundation <laughs> of tag team wrestling in AEW. Again, don't forget Fighter Fest night number two. Over 115,000 people more than usual tuned in to night number one. We'll see the numbers for night number two on paper. It looks outstanding, even better than night number one. And a big reason why is FTR, who joined us right now. Guys, thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate it. And good luck on Wednesday. Fellas, thank, thank you so much for having us. All right, Keep up the great so work, much. guys. Take care. It's the fight card that fight fans have been waiting for since the location was announced. Fight Island is real. Fight Island is a real thing. It's really happening. The UFC unveils Fight Island in style with their biggest event of the year. With a bevy of title matchups anchoring a stacked blockbuster fight card. Join Sirius XM Fight Nation this Saturday for full coverage beginning at 6 p.m. Eastern. Followed by post-fight reaction and analysis starting at 1 a.m. Eastern. Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. We bring the fight to you. I, I really do believe that might have been one of the more open and honest interviews that we've done in some time here on Busted Open. When you come from the world of the WWE that they were brought up in, like an NXT and then obviously on the main roster, and you, you work within those set of rules and regulations the way the WWE does it. Um, is it stringent? Yes. But is it the right way to go about things? Yes. Traditional tag team wrestling, shine, heat, comeback, finish, uh, five count, referee, double team finishes, you know, and then being able to do all of the things that you are known for, all of the high spots or the moves, yada, yada, but you're always sticking to the recipe, the foundation that has worked from day one in tag team wrestling. And FTR has a great knowledge foundation of tag team wrestling a because they're fans of it b the the people that they they hung out around in wwe whether that was agents or or or, or producers and people who have been there done that listen even if they spent five minutes with pat patterson you're going to get more in five minutes with Pat Patterson when it comes to, you know, wrestling psychology than you're going to get in spending five hours with others. So these guys get it when it comes to tag team wrestling. Now you go to the world of AEW where AEW is a little bit more loosey goosey. They're going to let them do a lot more. Yes, it's exciting, but FTR knows eh, this is not really the way it's supposed to be done. So I'd love to be a fly on the wall, especially early on right now, seeing how FTR and these other guys are able to gel within their lines of communication and how much of a struggle there is because of the two different trains of thought. 
You know what I'm well, talking about, Dave? Does it make sense? Yeah, and and it, and there it is. It is a different thought process. There's a lot of things that we have to tackle because I thought there was a lot that they talked about within the interview when it comes to AEW and the AEW locker room. First of all, when it comes to the tag rules, and I brought up like the NBA and the NFL because if you watch an old early 90s game, you know, with the Detroit Pistons and how they were an extremely physical team. I mean, they won because of their physical defense. Obviously, Isaiah Thomas had an amazing, an amazing outside shot. But you know what I mean? They were very, very physical. They intimidated their opponents. You can't do that in the NBA right now. It's, it's, it's just not possible. It would be foul shot after foul shot. They have bended the rules in another way to make it more of an offensive game. You know, in the NHL, the New Jersey Devils were winning year in and year out. They were winning the Stanley Cup. What did they do? They eliminated the trap in the NHL to make it more of an open offensive game. You look at, you look at the NFL, my God, Bully, we talk about it sometimes on the air. You touch the quarterback, there's a flag. You touch the wide receiver, there's a flag. You know, the the football that you and I grew up watching is not the football that's on your TV on Sundays in 2020. And it seems like with AEW, and Cody mentioned it last week, Cody was honest about it as well. Hey, these are different rules because of the audience that's watching pro wrestling right now. Now, one thing that they did say is like, and you've said this too, but if you're going to change the rules, then abide by the rules that you've changed it. If you're going to have a 10 count instead of a five count, well, then go by that 10 count. So it's funny to me that they came on there and they were very open and honest about that. They said that too. And they also said that when they first got there, there was a little resentment when it came to some of the younger wrestlers in the AEW locker room. And I, I believe that is true. I don't they're just fueling the fire of story. I, I believe that there is. I believe that there are guys that are happy to see them and that there are guys that are going to be like, okay, these are WWE guys. But when I look at FTR, I don't look at WWE guys for as long as they were there because I don't think the WWE utilized them to their sure. maximum potential. Thus, I don't look at them at WWE guys. They have as much, to me, they're as much AEW guys right now as they've ever been WWE guys. To me, they're not synonymous with the WWE. I think they have a real chance with this team. I think AEW has a chance with FTR to take some of the mistakes that they've made with tag team wrestling. And when I say mistakes, I just mean adhering to their own rules. The precedent that they set as a company from day one and pulling it back through storyline. FTR can be the team that pulls it back where we can get more traditional tag team wrestling. And and listen, remember, when I say traditional, I don't mean you can't do the things you want to do. Do all your moves, do all your spots, go crazy. Go go ballistic, but do it in a way that makes sense and is psychologically sound. Shine, heat, come back, finish. There's no reason why you can't do your stuff within those four aspects of the recipe of tag team wrestling and not make it make sense. Anybody who says that they can't do it is lazy or just doesn't know what they're talking about. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation, Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast.
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.